the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is meeting your soulmate a reason to end your marriage? Word for moms who are hurting this Mother's Day. And later, we're joined by the Reverend Dr. Gerald Dew from Antioch Baptist Church in Chicago. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey friends, welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. It is Friday. Friday! Happy Friday, Aubrey. You ready for the weekend? I am so ready for the weekend because you know what's happening with me this weekend? I should... It's Mother's Day. Yes. Sadly, that wasn't what I was actually thinking of. I am uh, walking... Across the stage and receiving graduation? my diploma this weekend. Yes, tomorrow, Whoa. Saturday, is my graduation. Congratulations. Yes. Why, thank you. So you're choosing to walk. I am choosing to walk. I mean, I've been graduated for a while, so it feels a little, like, anticlimactic. But all my friends are coming back into town to walk. And, you know, you gotta you got to wear the hat and the robes and the Will you be whatever. celebrated by your family? Is there a celebration? Hmm. So you get Mother's Day and graduation. It feels like you need something this weekend. So we are going to go see the new Doctor Strange on Sunday. But I planned that. So now that you're mentioning that, I feel like I need to. My husband needs to like get Kevin's back so together. Mad at like this, right if he's now, he's listening to this yeah, right now. Like he's now's mad. the moment when he needs to be making a plan. Or it's Friday night. Or if he sets that bar too high, that's the tough one to get over. So maybe. Every now and then we gotta we gotta add in some we gotta throw a wet blanket on things to keep the bar low a little bit. Yeah, I I feel like the bar's been low for a little bit. So <laughs> actually, it might be time to like take that wet blanket off, dry it off, throw on a new fluffy blanket. That's yeah. really funny. Yeah, so I don't know. No, we'll we'll probably uh, tonight have we have a rehearsal for graduation. Probably have some of the gals over and. You know, then the big day is Saturday. I think my mom is coming in town last oh, nice. minute. She wasn't going to, but she's she's flying in right now. So um, anyway, it'll be fun. It'll be a fun weekend. I'm excited. What about you? You have a big weekend ahead well, of you? Well, not as big as that. Well, obviously. I got, I, got, I got kids' games to go to, Mother's Day, obviously. So excited. It's going to be nice and warm out this weekend. So hopefully that will be good. This is just how it is. I just go to baseball games and sit, and you're like, I'm graduating. I'm summa cum laude. <laughs> do, you feel, do you feel bad about yourself? <laughs> Not <Brian>? at all. <laughs> Not at all. Well, speaking of marriage, let me ask you, Aubrey. There was an article out of Australia, out of the Sydney Morning Herald, that was taken from a book hey? uh, by Amanda Trenfield, and it got a lot of response And in a weird – not in a weird way. I think in a very – just blatant way, it gets at what's wrong with marriage. Oh, interesting. Uh, not marriage. Gets at uh, what's wrong. Sorry, that was actually put well, uh, put poorly. It gets at what's wrong of many of our views of ah, marriage. Okay, let's okay. hear it. I'm dying now. Here Can't is wait. the headline. Less than a month after I met my soulmate, I ended my 14-year marriage. Well, so you that can tell what the story, all, doesn't right? It? Just from that, you could tell the story. There, she meets a man who she thinks is her soulmate. Mm-hmm. She's been married for fourteen years, and she says, "I've now met the one." Oh, has she's she? got kids. Mm-hmm. She's got all this. Leaves her marriage, 
and goes to uh, spend the rest of her life uh, because she said, I just met my soulmate. Mm -hmm. What could possibly be more important than that? Before (gasps) that, she says, the next few days were a complete blur after meeting him. I couldn't make sense of my feelings. I couldn't escape unrelenting thoughts of Jason. That's his name. I certainly couldn't fathom how I'd resume my normal life of a full-time career. Two young children. Household chores, being a wife. What I did understand was that the successful, comfortable, and somewhat predictable life I'd spent 20 years building was now of no consequence. I simply didn't care. I just met my soulmate. What could possibly go wrong? Less than a month after meeting him, having had no communication with the first since our first meeting, I ended my 14-year relationship with my husband. Wow. There are so many things in this story. And wow. I'm, I, I want to get your impression first because then I'm going to tell you how this story ends. Okay. Uh, but just initial reactions to this story. Yeah. Okay. I have several reactions. I know you would. Okay. One is uh, there's no such thing as soulmates. That's Ooh, unpack garbage. That. Unpack that. Uh, you, uh, I, so you wouldn't be like, Kevin and I are soulmates. Heck no, we're not soulmates. We're we're like the opposite. But <laughs> what you is know the what we are? Can I be real cheesy here? Yeah. We are, somebody said this. I'm stealing this from someone. I can't remember who. We're soulmates, S-O-L-E, because we have worked and done life together. Walk on the path <laughs> together. That's what a soulmate is. Not someone you're just super attracted to. Here's the thing. She didn't meet her soulmate. She met someone she was really, really, really attracted to. And again, this is where I'm like, that happens. Human beings do that. But you don't blow up your whole life because of it. You don't blow up like vows you made before God in your community to another human being. You work at that marriage and you make that marriage and those kids your priority. And that's a soulmate. That's what I mean by there's no such thing as soulmate. Kevin is my soulmate because I have chosen him and he has chosen me. But it's not because like... So we're like perfectly aligned and everything. <laughs> we're literally opposites in so many ways. Mm-hmm. We actually are not quote unquote soulmates according to the movies or culture or the world, but we work really hard at loving each yeah, other. And because of good. that, he's my soulmate. So basically she left her actual soulmate for this person. Here's also what I think this, this screams. She met somebody who wasn't her husband. <laughs> And instead, I think all this screamed is you've got you've got red flags in your marriage right now and you're not willing yeah, to work them out. You're bored in your marriage. You're a 14-year yeah, marriage with yeah. two little kids. Yeah. Things are not what they used to be. And so you met this person that you think is your soulmate, right. which is just crazy. Right. Uh, I think she thinks there's this is a really admirable story because she ended her marriage after meeting her quote-unquote soulmate one time. Right. And... Because of that, she was willing to sacrifice her children. Here's what I want to make sure we hear, because this story is somewhat, it's sad, but it's also silly. Like, you're like, oh, this is like, this is terrible. I'm guessing this didn't go well. I'm guessing this is leading to something, right? So this is from an excerpt from the book that she wrote. You ready for the title? Yeah. When a soulmate says no. Oh, so, okay, you can guess how the story goes. Yeah, you don't even need to guess. She leaves her husband, she leaves her children, and tries to run to the soulmate, and the soulmate says, eh, no thank you. Right, because we're not actually soulmates. Which actually makes me happy about this story. Yeah, I'm glad that happened. But here's the thing, Aubrey. I do think that we have this uh, Disney happily ever after view of marriage that says... Oh, if it's not like the honeymoon mm-hmm. and just this all bliss and everything yeah. after 14 years, right. something must be wrong. I must have picked the wrong person as opposed to what you described as, yeah, marriage is work. Welcome right. to marriage. Parenting right. is work. Welcome to parenting. Right. 
But you know what's the beauty of it is the work, yes. is the results, yes. is the is what comes out of the high times yes. and the low times. Like that's the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we want to say to people is if your marriage is hanging by a string right now, like commit to your marriage. Mm-hmm. Go do the hard work of counseling. Yes. Do, don't go looking Wait, what's the saying, right? The grass isn't greener. You had it. It was good. Yes, the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. That's it. So water the grass that you have, friends. And look, what Brian and I are saying, and we've said this before, there is beauty to be had within marriage. Like, I do think this soulmate thing can happen, this Mm -hmm. deep, intimate connection with the person that you choose to love and walk beside day in and day out through the ups and downs. And and just because you're bored or life has gotten predictable is not a reason to, again, blow up your entire life like you just like God will bless you for staying and working. Now, Brian and I would never say like you must stay no matter what, like if it's an abuse situation or there's been some kind of like trauma. We understand there are circumstances outside of that. What we're talking about is just what seems like the story is about, which is. She just like her eyes wandered because she was bored in her marriage and she blew her life up, which is Mm -hmm. just not it's just not a faithful way to live. And now is writing about it and making money. I don't know. There's there's something weird going on here. But let us tell you this. If you've bought into this thing of like happily ever after your marriage is going to struggle. And uh, I've been married 22 years and have never been happier. But that doesn't mean it's been 22 years of wedded bliss. Right. right. Just ease and everything. Uh, it takes work. And so do not do what this woman did. Do, do the work. Water the grass where you are, as you said. All right, Aubrey, Tom Rainer, we read his stuff often. Uh, he, he writes a lot about the church. Mm-hmm. He writes. Uh, he does a lot about statistics and trends. And so I found this fascinating, Aubrey. He wrote over at Church Answers, uh, his blog, he said, seven traits of the successful pastor of 2027. And he sets it up this way. Uh, indeed, Uh, I've been one of the negative voices speaking about these topics like declining attendance, conversions being down, the great resignation and closing churches and just the general discouragement of our day in churches. He says, while my motivation has been to warn rather than discourage, I know the regular conversation of negativity can be disheartening. So he says, let's flip the switch. Mm. Let's make a trip five years into the future and look at what successful pastors did over those years. So he's trying to say, okay. Let's start doing new things now, and five years from now, we'll look back and be like, whoa, the landscape looks different, okay? Okay. Five years. Five years from this week, I will have turned 50 years old. No, don't say Boom. it. Don't say it. Don't say okay. it. Oh, wow. Although You'll I did, still be in like your late 30s, obviously, right? Obviously, forever. <laughs> I did just hear a, a pastor mentor friend of mine who was saying, look, 40s, hardest decade of your life. If you, like, if your kids, like, have food on the table and you maybe have $5 in your bank account, be thankful. 50s is when you start to really make it. That's your stride. So I'm actually, now I'm all about my 50s. That's where we make that pastor and radio money. Wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful. So he goes on to say, by successful, I mean pastors who led churches faithfully reached their communities and consistently made disciples. I'm not speaking of numerical growth, though numerical growth would often accompany churches led by this these pastors. So he's saying, I'm not being a prophetic here. Okay. Instead, I'm just using common sense and biblical faithfulness. And he's always saying, it's kind of a fun activity. He says, I think we will continue to learn from these as they as these pastors as they manifest these seven traits. So what he's really doing here, Aubrey, is calling us to these seven traits now. 
Right. So let's that leave, five years let's from lay now. Let's the yeah. groundwork now. Like I, when I first read this, I was like, every time you think of the future, like, oh, I'll go to church in a flying car <laughs> or I will. Our alien friends will be joining us in the first service today, yes, right? Like yes. Our- I'm still I'm still waiting. I, I know this is not the point of what we're going to talk about. But you saying you're going to church in a flying car, I'm still waiting for the Back to the Future flying skateboard that I feel like has been promised to me for years and has never showed up. I will remember hoverboard. hoverboard. Yeah, I will remember when I was in the fourth grade. So we're talking like 1988, which looking back, they had us do a project about what life would be like in year 2000. And that's only 12 years. But, you know, when you're a kid, you're like this. And the cover of what I made was a flying car. No mm-hmm. way. Which in reality, we got the internet. That was a much bigger revolution, but not as cool as the flying car. Yeah, All the right, flying so car. Here's the seven things that Tom Rayner says okay, these are hear. going to be, these need to be part of our pastors and therefore of our churches. So even if you're not a pastor, this is what we want to see in our churches. All right, number one, they did not forsake or forget the importance of prayer. These pastors are leaders of prayer. They pray personally. They lead their churches to embrace the priority and importance of prayer. Acts 6-4 is a true reflection of their leadership approach and priority. Are you surprised that he's number one on this list is prayer? Um, <laughs> you know what's funny? I am surprised because I think I expect you know him talking about what pastors should do in 2027. I think I was expecting him to say something like, they should have a digital service or they should be very active on social media or they should have their avatars preaching. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't expect that he'd just be taking us back to like the foundation. This yes. actually makes a whole lot of sense. Of course, of course, pastors should be leaders of prayer personally and communally uh, and not forsake, not forsake it. I think that's yes. so good. Yes. So there's yes a amen. prayerfulness in our pastors and in our churches. Yeah. Number two, They brought back the priority of evangelism. The last words of Jesus on earth were a command to be a witness or to be witnesses. These pastors did not go the path of many church leaders forsaking and forgetting evangelism. It is sadly amazing how many Christians and churches don't think it's important to share the good news of Christ. Do you think he's right about that? Do you think we've lost evangelism and this is something we need to reclaim? Yeah, I mean, again, here I'm we've said this before kind of to be funny. I'm someone with an evangelism degree and wholeheartedly we have lost a passion for evangelism. Mm-hmm. One, I, th- I think we've lost, a, we've just lost a passion for saving souls. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's because our understanding or our, our, our eschatology about heaven and hell has changed. I'm not sure if we are scared. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. It feels a little weird to go out and tell the world about Jesus, but I definitely think that churches, it, if there's if there's anything on the table at church that's going to fall off, evangelism is the first thing to fall it off. It seems that way. It does seem that way. Number three, uh, these pastors dealt with toxicity promptly. Mm. He says, I've never known a pastor who confronted toxic members in the church who thinks it was done too quickly. Wow. The typical response is, I should have done this a long time yeah. ago. Can you help us understand what toxicity even is? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I guess when I hear toxicity... And when I, you say it, you know, when I, <laughs> if I can get the word out, I think it is and not just members, but leaders as well, who are simply there to um, uh, uh, tear down the church, destroy mm. the church. Like they are constantly criticizing without serving. They're constantly uh, disrupting vision. They're constantly. It's not just disagreeing 
or calling their pastors to task. It is like disagreeing with the motivation to sabotage and tear down. And Mm. actually, part of church leadership, all research on church leadership will show this. There is typically a saboteur Mm. who gathers a group of people to sabotage a church's health. And that's what we mean. I'm assuming that's what Tom Rainer means by toxic. So it's not just an unhealthy person. It's like a group of people or a person wanting to tear the pastor down, the church down, et cetera. That's right. Saboteur. I like that word. I know it's a good word. Saboteur. Yes. Number four, they had grit. Serving as a pastor is tough work. One Mm. pastor with a long tenure told me, I get up in the morning and do my calling as a pastor. Then I go to bed, wake up the next day and do it again. (laughs) This pastor is persistent. This pastor has tenacity. This pastor has grit. I think this is getting at the, what we've talked about, the quote unquote, great resignation. It's this stick to itiveness. Mm. Don't you think? Yep. That's exactly right. There are, there are older pastors who often say, if you ask them, how did you do it? They'd say, oh yeah, quit every Sunday afternoon, took Monday off, went back on Tuesday, you know? They say never quit your church on a Monday, right? right? There you go. Number five, they love their community more deeply and tried to serve and reach the residents more urgently. I know this is it, your heart for your church. Do you? Uh, I, this feels like what the world needs to see from us. Yeah, it's funny you say this because I was even thinking this morning, I think in COVID, we almost pulled back yes. from our like community, just like it, we were in the community before COVID. And I was like, Lord, we got to get back to this mm-hmm. or I feel like we're failing our mission. It's there time you go. to get back. Let me give you the last two. Okay. They rediscovered joy. Mm, beautiful. So, Things can be hard, right? But successful pastors five years from now will still see the joy of their calling. I love that because so many pastors I talk to speak of being a pastor like martyrdom, like drudgery, like this and that. And Mm. no, there's great joy. And number seven, they took faith risks. These pastors knew they could not plan everything. They understood they had to expect the unexpected, and they knew they had to lead their churches into new and exciting endeavors. Whether I'm a pastor, Aubrey, in five years or not, like I either want to be this type of pastor or go to a church led by one of these types. Don't you want to? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm not great at this. My husband is a really good sort of like visionary leader who's willing to take risks. But that that new and exciting endeavors and areas, I think, is what kind of keeps us like excited about like who the church is and what the church can be and taking more ground for the kingdom and like doing these incredible things. So you're right. Either pray that God develops that in us or we're serving under a leader who's kind of got that. So painting a picture for what the church could be. Hopefully we reclaim some of these things. Well, Aubrey, as pastors, we spend a lot of time in general, but even in today's show, Talking about the church, we long to see the church thrive. Yes. And we want it to be done in a healthy way. We want healthy pastors. We want healthy congregations. Uh, And there feels like, and I think sometimes we talk about it so often on the show that you and I are kind of immersed in it, but it feels like things are off, Mm. right? And you start to see these documentaries and these things at Hillsong that we talked about earlier, or whether it be Willow in the past couple of years or Harvest in this area, and there seems to be this reckoning right now with the, well, to use their, their term, the cool church. Yeah. Well, yeah. How would you describe culturally? Not how you would describe it. <laughs> okay. But when we talk about, quote unquote, the cool church, because here, here's a headline that was talked about Hillsong in the New York Times. It said, Hillsong, once a leader of Christian cool loses footing in America, like the New York Times. That's how they describe Hillsong. So I'm not asking what does Aubrey Sampson think is a cool church, but when we use that phrase, quote unquote, cool church, what are we even really saying? Yeah, I I think what culture is saying is um, there was another article you and I have talked about in the past about hype 
priests. Like I remember that. There's these super cool pastors with all of their tattoos and their big like mom 80s glasses. And they're friends with celebrities. And their church is like, quote unquote, the sexy church with like all of the I mean, fog machines might not be cool anymore, but whatever the 2020 version of a fog machine is. So the it's fog like, machine is so it's true. just like total amazing production, charismatic preaching, like a supermodel is leading the church or a punk rock star is leading the church. And yeah, again, celebs. I think that's what we're talking about. What do you mean? Cool church or like a, you know, a, a derivative version of yep, that. Yep. Yeah. So Brett McCracken, who we've had on multiple times, mm-hmm. I believe you were his boss over at Weedy College for a little while. I was his boss, actually. Everything he learned was from me. There you go. So he wrote a book called Hipster Christianity. We actually had him on this show to talk about it. When church and cool collide, he says this, if you prioritize short-term trendiness, your ministry impact will likely, likely be short-lived. If you care too much about being, quote, relatable and attractive to the fickle tastes of any given generation or cultural context, the transcendence of Christianity and the prophetic power of the gospel will be shrunk and shaped to the contours of the zeitgeist. Love that phrase, zeitgeist. Yeah, I, I love that phrase, too. I, I think I'm, I'm going to cut you off just for a second, mm-hmm. Brian. This actually makes me think of something that we talked about on yesterday's show, which was that. Uh, or no, it was earlier in the week. It wasn't yesterday. But do you remember the video we talked about of the <laughs> like, I was telling someone the about Loki it today. <laughs> Iron Man sketch that was so cheesy? That's what I feel like happened. The prophetic power of the gospel was shrunk into the contours of the Marvel zeitgeist, and it went terribly. Like, it was mm. so cheesy. So anyway, go ahead. I just That made me think of yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's great. Brett goes on to say, relevance-focused Christianity sows the seeds of its own obsolence. Mm. It's a bad idea. It rarely ends well. So you started to get at it there, but he underlined this in the article. This is clearly what he, the point he wants to make. He's trying to speak against relevance. He says relevance is no, listen to this line, relevance is no substitute for reverence mm. and indeed may compromise it. What happens mm. when we try to be relevant and where should we try to be relevant, right? We're, we're not trying to be irrelevant. We don't want to be so how do we right. wrestle with the, the idea of relevance? Yeah, I think this is what's such a hard conversation because s- sometimes this conversation will go like the attractional church mm-hmm. model is the quote unquote cool model. But the opposite of attractional is repulsive. And like you don't want a repulsive church either. Like we do. I and mean, this is something I think we have to be so mindful about is we do have to be culturally relevant. We've talked about before what it means to contextualize our message, but not at the expense of like gospel boundaries mm-hmm. and not at the expense of, um, I guess what Brett calls our prophetic witness or like the the sacred nature of who God is and God's word and the sacraments and things like that. So somehow there has to be a bridge to both sides, mm. which is like, yes, like let's reach the people where they are, but let's not sa- uh, make saccharine or water down 
make cheesy like the message of God. Yeah, it's good. He says, maybe a Christianity that doesn't appeal to my consumer preferences and take its cues from Twitter is exactly the sort of faith I need. And later on, he goes, instead of the church with the most charismatic celebrity pastor, who you'll likely never meet, find the church where Jesus is the biggest star and the pastor is a humble, approachable, low-profile person with a long track record of integrity in life and ministry. Amen. But here, let me, let me, let's wrestle. Let me play devil's advocate yeah. to Brett's article yeah. here. Because I don't think the answer, and I don't necessarily think this is what he's saying, even though later on he's going to say faithful with a greater than symbol. Faithful is greater than cool. Yeah. Sure. But I don't think any of us long to be an uncool church. Yeah, totally. Like where people are mocking it. Right. So what exactly is he getting at here? How do we actually walk this line to be like, not just relevant, but also not just cringeworthy, as we said yesterday, but also faithful to the gospel, not making it about us and long-term sustainability. Any thoughts on how we actually walk this? So I think I think what's hard is sometimes I think the quote-unquote sexy church, cool church, mega church, attractional church, whatever language you want to use, I think can be an easy fall guy. Mm-hmm. And it can be very easy to like point out the speck in their eye without looking in the log in our own. And at the end of the day, I think what Brett's talking about is like something you and I have talked about. A long track record of endurance. And whether that comes from a cool person or a non-cool person, it's almost like who cares what the package is. If they have, um, within their community, lived faithfully uh, for Jesus Mm -hmm. uh, for a long time, and there are enough like witnesses who have borne witness to that person's life and lived under their leadership, then you can go, oh, that's a person following Jesus. It doesn't matter. I mean, I think... You know, Rick Warren feels like a good example of this. He's leading one of the largest churches in America, sold the, you know, most popular book that's ever been sold besides Harry Potter and the Bible, right? And yet, quote unquote. Was that one of the names of the Harry Potter and the Bible? No, I was saying two different books the Harry Potter books and the Bible. Because that would be a good Christian book. I feel this year, Harry Potter and the Bible. Phil, you're not taking that. I'm taking that. Um, But he's not, quote unquote, cool meaning mm-hmm. he doesn't have tattoos and he's not like you know this awesome dude um i don't know where that voice just came from but you do it every time but <laughs> all, all that to say that's a he's seeing i don't know rick warren but he seems to be a person of integrity mm-hmm. it doesn't matter that he, it's not about being in a mega church it's not about being an attractional church it's like the integrity of the life in community following jesus over the long haul that's good he, brett concludes this way exactly as you just said the life of christian faith should be altogether different a long obedience a slow burn a quiet diligence to pursue Jesus faithfully with others in community in good times and bad for better or for worse. Will this form of plotting old fashioned Christianity go viral on Instagram or get featured in GQ? Probably not, but it will actually grow Christians to maturity and help them run a long, steady and fruitful race as it has for countless, countless saints over two millennia. I pray that I and you too will be counted among them. That can be found at the Gospel Coalition, Brett McCracken, in praise of the boring, uncool church. I do think, Aubrey, there's a reckoning going on right now about what the church is going to be, what we've gotten wrong in the past decade or two. uh, And I think that that's going to keep fleshing itself out. Ryan, are you doing anything this weekend for Mother's Day? You got a mom and a wife. I do. My mom lives next door to me. Yep. And uh, my wife lives with me. So, yes... I don't know what we're going to do right now. So Sunday of church, 
I do. I know I'm a broken record here. We do have baseball, like a baseball okay. tournament on Sunday. Sounds fun. And so, like, and my wife will be, especially if the weather's nice, will love being there. Yeah, yeah. This is what, here, sorry, this is this is just problems in it. my house. Okay. Uh, Mother's Day always falls right in the middle of an 11-day span in our house that begins with my birthday on May 4th. Woo-hoo! Moves to my youngest daughter's birthday on May 12th. Oh, wow. Which then moves to my wife's birthday on May 15th. Whoa. So in an 11-day span, three of the five of us in our home have birthdays. That's major. And often, like this year, Mother's Day falls right, right in, the in it. Of and that. so it's so hard to, I know, you yeah. all feel bad for me, right? No it's one just, feels bad for you. It's hard to juggle. Like, do I get my wife a Mother's Day gift and yes. a birthday gift? Or yes. is that an or statement? No. I mean, and. she could only want so many flowers and chocolates, right? Like, you can only want... <laughs> Do you no. really want to be made, like uh, celebrated for yes. twice in one week? Yes. Come on. The answer is yes and yes. And <laughs> we, yes as we learned about you. Yes. <laughs> all you have to do is go to Amazon and buy two things, Brian. It's not hard at all. So that is a very long-winded way of saying I should probably figure this okay, out. Okay, but what about your own mom? Do you do something for her? Because you said you live next door to her. So what about her on Mother's I Day? I give her a big hug. I wish her happy Mother's Day. Uh, my wife is a lot better at the buying yeah, of the Mother's the Day gift. This is the problem with sons, and I'm so worried about this having three sons, because when Kevin's mom was alive, I did Mother's Day for her and her birthday and, you know, whatever. All the, the same is the truth in the From house. Ryan, and I have three sons. That means the rest of You're my life I'm nothing. buying my own Mother's Day gifts, aren't I? You're buying your own birthday gifts. Uh, You're just hoping that they call. I'm just praying that their future wives are good women who love me. So, like, in my home, oh, that's true. Because, like, my I only have a brother. It's me and my brother. Yeah. And uh, But that's not fair. Like, your wife should not be in charge of your mom. You should. Oh, I, it's from us. No, no, no. But she's taking responsibility for it. And that's your mom. This is, oh, I got to raise my we, kids differently. We, I don't like this. We all have our strengths. One, <laughs> I'm going to give my mom a oh. huge hug. Tell her I love her. Happy Mother's Day. You're not going to buy her flowers? We will buy her flowers. We, oh, I see. Yeah, the, that's not the Kevin. family will. <laughs> <laughs> so weak. I gotta raise my boys differently. This has got to change in Jesus' name. This is a curse that needs to be broken. <laughs> I know your husband, so therefore I probably know what your boys are like. Yes, you're in trouble. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I already have to prepare myself. Like I'll probably cry a little bit, and then I'll get over it. No, just kidding. It, no, it's it'll be last minute. Kevin's like, boys, make moms some cards. Quickly. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's that's how it goes in my house. Enjoy okay. the day. All right. But I do love Mother's Day. I love, uh, you know, celebrating my own mom and being celebrated by my kids. But obviously, Mother's Day is one of those holidays that we all know can can be rewarding yes. and wonderful. It can be real painful. Mm-hmm. And there's another a number of reasons for that. Layers to that. Uh, you know, this will be Kevin's first Mother's Day without mm-hmm. his mom. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For some moms, they have lost children that mm-hmm. they're remembering on Mother's Day. Some women want to be moms, but they're not able to get pregnant or that adoption isn't going through or, or whatever have you. And so there's grief that comes with Mother's Can Day. Can I tell a story? I, I remember yeah. I've shared on this show before that uh, Carrie and I, we had multiple miscarriages. We had one before our oldest daughter. Then we had our daughter and then we had multiple miscarriages where all my wife wanted was to have more kids. We had a doctor tell us, I'm not sure you're going to have more kids. Like a very painful time. Yeah. By the grace of God and some medical intervention, uh, we have two more kids. So now you always hear on the show, I thought you had three kids. We do, but it didn't come without pain. In that interim between our first and our second, it, one of the 
really painful days for my wife would be she, in fact, I don't remember if she did skip or we talked about her skipping church on Mother's yeah. Day because Mother's Day, mothers get celebrated on Mother's Day at church and they should. They like should. That's, I'm not saying this is yes. a bad thing. Yes. But I've tried to, as a pastor, remember there are mothers out yeah. here hurting yeah. and I've often tried to acknowledge it and hear from them. Thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think be, that's and, so good. And, but that's only from experience because I remember my wife just it shined a spotlight on this is all I want. And now yeah. the people who have it are being celebrated. Yeah. And I'm happy for them. This yeah. isn't like, oh, I wish you didn't have kids. Right. But it's just I wish I did. So I think yeah. you're 100% right. People like your husband who have just recently lost mm-hmm. a mom, that's hard. Mm-hmm. People who have lost children, that's hard. Mm-hmm. People who can't have kids and just long to be a mom, mm-hmm. that's really hard. And I think we need to remember that. I think there are women, too, that just have compl- – or men, too, that have complicated relationships with their mom. Maybe she was, like, critical or mm-hmm. toxic. Mm-hmm. And so that adds another layer to this it can be complicated and so i love brian actually i want to ask you more about this you just said you acknowledge it on mother's day and i see more and more churches doing that and i'm so pleased that pastors take a moment to just acknowledge like yes honor the mom celebrate mom but honor the pain that's Mm -hmm. in the room too Mm -hmm. what do you typically do do you just kind of say something from the pulpit or i will and i don't know what i'll do this weekend i need to get better at planning these things out yeah yeah but oftentimes i'll pray for the moms Mm. but i then in that moment i will before i pray i will say and i know some of you are hurting today like just acknowledging it it's like you know that balloon gets really tight you got to pop it just acknowledging Mm -hmm. it and then in your prayer and lord we pray for those who are hurting today i don't think they're looking for special recognition right, hey right. if you're struggling today why don't stand you stand up. no, no that's no, no, terrible no. yeah but also they don't want to be forgotten yeah uh and but they just want to acknowledge today is painful mm-hmm. for some of you maybe you're estranged from your mom maybe you lost your mom maybe mm-hmm. you wish to be a mom whatever else it might be um god hears your you know and then yeah. speak to what god's presence does in our lives yeah. i think that's really healing for people yeah, i think that's so and good celebrate the moms that's like, right and play celebrate the video the moms. have yes. the kids talk like this yes. doesn't mean oh i've got to be a down right. don't be a downer no one's right. asking for that right. just acknowledge the pain in the room yeah as you celebrate that's yeah. great and let me ask you a question that's going to seem a little like off kilter but it, I, I actually think it connects I don't feel like there's that same pressure on Father's Day to do that Mm-mm. sort of acknowledgement. But am I am I missing something there? You're not. I do think that there's, as us men often do, there is some pain that doesn't that isn't acknowledged, mm. right? So maybe we need to get better about that in June too. So, like when we had our miscarriages, it was a real hard time for me. But I'll be really honest; it wasn't as hard for me as it was for my wife. Yeah, I remember I had yeah. a buddy. As we were in the missus, I had a buddy who him and his wife had a miscarriage. And mm. I was like, all right, I'm going to step in here. Hey, man, let me take you out to lunch. Let's yeah. talk. And we went to lunch and he was like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. And he was being honest. Yeah, He's like, like no, he really I'm, I'm really fine. And we just ended up talking and laughing and yeah. whatever else. Yeah. And so I do think, you know, I, I think mother, uh, Father's Day can become complicated, right? When you think of your own father, if there's yeah. been loss. But I do think it's different. I think it's different than Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's something to that. But as I'm saying it, too, I'm like, I don't want to miss the dads in the room. I think you're right. Because sometimes, especially when it comes to, like, child loss, that stuff happens, like, to a woman's body. It's so yes. intimate for her. So, anyway, moms, we just want to acknowledge that we celebrate you. We mm-hmm. love you. And we know there are moms of all shapes and sizes. Some are aunties. Some are mentors. But to all of the moms out there, we love you this Mother's Day. We hope you are encouraged. And for all the the moms out there or would-be moms out there that are hurting, we are praying that Jesus would be very close to you this Mother's Day weekend. We are absolutely thrilled and honored to be joined by Pastor Dr. Gerald 
M. Du. He's a pastor of Antioch Missionary Baptist Church, a historic church in Chicago, Illinois. Married to Marva Du is from a family of pastors and preachers. He's a prolific preacher himself, a fearless leader. And we are so glad that he's here today to talk about something pretty tragic that happened at Antioch on Good Friday. But before we dive into that, Dr. Du, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Aubrey. Thank you, Brian, Mm -hmm. for this opportunity and to the listening audience. Uh, My prayers go out to all of you. God knows how to meet needs and solve problems. Just lean into him. Mm, Amen. Amen. He'll give you what you need. That's right. Um, So, Dr. Du, Brian and I are both pastors here in the Chicago area. We're passionate about the local church, and we were just devastated to hear about uh, Antioch. It sounds like burned to the ground. Is that right? On Good Friday. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened? Yeah, uh, it was such a devastating, you know, heartbreaking, you know, tear-jerking event to stand and watch the main sanctuary building of our church burn. Mm. And uh, it is it is it is gone. The interior uh, is totally gone. There's some exterior walls that are still standing, but because the fire kept rekindling and rekindling and rekindling over a four or five day period, just the heat of the fire has rendered those exterior walls unstable. And so the city uh, engineers, the insurance company engineers, and everybody has said it's got to come down. So mm. they're demolishing it as we speak. Oh, and Dr. Dew, our hearts go out to you and your congregation. Mm-hmm. We're so sorry. Can you give us some of the history of your church? Tell us about your church. And then I'd also love to hear just how you and your congregation are doing, how you're processing all of this. Antioch Missionary Baptist Church was organized in 1925 and moved to this uh, facility in Englewood in 1958. Mm. Uh, In the mid to late 60s, my immediate predecessor, uh, Dr. W. Daniel, took advantage, was the first church to take advantage of the HUD uh, program 202 to develop affordable housing for seniors for the physically challenged and for families. Mm. And so our church has sponsored uh, housing complexes. Uh, We probably have generated a little over 1,500 units of housing. Wow, that's amazing. uh, We've done done three of those properties uh, in the 21 years that I've been here. And so we have this great footprint in terms of ministry to the people in Inglewood, not to mention you know, open gym on Saturdays, food mm. giveaways, health fairs, you know, helping people with rent and 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 uh, light bills and bus tokens. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we, we're, we're a church that looks to alleviate human suffering wherever it is found. Amen. You know, doing good works that would glorify God. Amen. I love hearing that. love hearing about the mission of your church. Um, again, Dr. Dew, the, you, you were saying before the church is not structurally sound and, of course, this you know devastating fire. I'm sure we've got listeners out there that want to know how they can partner with you and help. Are there ways that um, you know listeners can give or even give financially and also pray for you, for the church, for the surrounding community? Listen, we, we really do need prayer. There's been a group of pastors and, and leaders across the country that have determined to declare uh, Sunday, May the 15th, Build Antioch Sunday. Mm. And churches across the nation, and especially here in Chicago, they're going to do three things. They're going to pause during their service of worship 
and pray for Antioch and its membership. Wow. And then they're going to also pray for me and Antioch's leadership. And then the third thing they're going to do is receive contributions uh, to help us build back again. And so your listeners and others may participate. You can go to our website, ambcchicago.org. There's a tab that says Build Antioch. And you can go right there and you can do Zelle, Cash App, Givelify, whatever ways that are comfortable for you. Or you can you can mail a check. Mm-hmm. I believe the address is 611 West 63rd Street, suite number 012. Uh, Zip code six zero six two one. That's great, and again, we'll we'll send that out. We'll put that up on our social mm-hmm. media for people to be able to help. Uh, Doctor Dew, uh, just so I know, are you planning to guys? Are you guys planning to rebuild in the same spot? Is that your hope? Is to be anchored right there in Englewood, right where this fire happened? Our hope is when they complete the demolition of the building and haul off the debris. Our hope and prayer is to break ground on that same spot. Oh, I love with that. A new, with, a, with a new facility. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then one of the things I want to share is we also have an educational building and we have a fellowship hall. Those two buildings were not damaged by the fire, but they have uh, extensive smoke and water damage. And so it's going to be about, they tell me, 12 or so weeks before we can go in there, and then you've got to replace, you know, computers and printers mm. and copies. All of that has to be done. And so uh, we need all the help we can get. Mm-hmm. Again, you can go to ambcchicago.org slash build-antioch to find out more. Um, Dr. Do Well, talk- no, just, no, just the, the, uh, the website is just ambcchicago.org. ambcchicago.org. Then when you go there, you can click on Build Antioch. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for clarifying that. And, um, yes. Doctor, you had mentioned before um, that you know churches around Chicagoland are going to pause and pray for the church, pray for you. How can we be praying um, for you right now specifically? I feel like Solomon who said, uh, I don't know how to go in and out before so great a people. Mm-hmm. So he asked God for wisdom, knowledge, and an understanding heart. And so I would ask you to pray that God would give me wisdom, knowledge, and an understanding heart, that he would give me uh, revelation and insight as to how to lead uh, this great congregation through this period of, of mourning the loss of, of our worship uh, center, while at the same time, uh, rejoicing over the new opportunity yeah. uh, that, God, that God has set before us and uh, being appreciative to new friends like Brian and Arbery. Mm, that's sweet. Uh, Dr. G, let me let me end with this. What have you seen in your congregation? What have you seen God doing amongst your people as they're mourning, uh, um, especially at Easter time? I just can't imagine. But as you guys are mourning, what have you seen God doing in your community, in your people? We have a young lady that's a part of our church that has a, a T-shirt business, and and she created a design. Antioch strong <laughs> and they're flying off the shelves like hotcakes. Ah, awesome. of, of course, she's giving a portion of the proceeds back to the build Antioch campaign, but people have grabbed 
onto that Antioch strong. Uh, and, and we've been through a lot. We've been through a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there'll probably be some things in the future that we'll have to go through. Mm. But again, we are Antioch strong. Amen. Antioch strong. Amen. I love that. Pastor Gerald M. Dew is the leader of Antioch Missionary Baptist Church in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, Pastor Dew, thanks so much for being Thank here you. with us today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you all for having me, and uh, go with God. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's Friday, which means on Friday we love doing one of our favorite things. That is a top five list. And mm-hmm. in honor of Brian's birthday and Star Wars Day, we're going to do top five Star Wars characters. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. Okay, Brian, are you ready? I am. And now I told you, I think people might be thinking, wow, you're going to have the same list. And we might have some of the same. Probably will have some. But I do think that you and I, I, here, I'm going to give you a little preview of mine. Mine are from all of the three, mine are from only the three original movies. Uh, oh, Star Wars, Empire okay. Strikes Back, Return nice. of the Jedi. you're old school, classic Star I Wars I am, guy. because I, one of the reasons, I've seen some of the other ones, but yeah. I haven't seen all of them. Okay. And I didn't see like the Mandalorian. I didn't yeah. see all that okay. stuff. But I've definitely seen, and those were in our wheelhouse when we were younger, right? Especially like Return of the Jedi. Yes, but, yes. Uh, but my guess is yours isn't like that. You're probably a little more spread yeah, out. Yeah, I got a little more spread out. And it's not that I'm this like massive Star Wars fan, but you know, I've got three sons. We've watched mm-hmm. all of the everything Star Wars all the time and all the Legos and all the video games. And so I probably know more Star Wars than I actually ever sought out to know. Yes. Uh, so I've got some fun ones. All right. Brian, you want to go first? first? Sure, go for it. Yeah, number five. I went right to Return of the Jedi. Okay, solid choice. I went with Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt. I like Jabba the Hutt. Why do you like Jabba? Just because he's fat and lazy? (laughs) What what are you saying? (laughs) Because he was... Uh, he was such a creative character, yeah, right? Yeah, that's sudden, true. And not to mention, everyone our age loved the movie growing up yeah. called Spaceballs. <laughs> that was a parody of Star Wars. And yes. do you remember the uh, the Jabba the Hutt character in Spaceballs? I barely remember Spaceballs. Do you remember his name? No. Pizza the Hutt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I do remember it now that you say that. So I like Jabba good. the Hutt. Okay, Jabba the Hutt. That's a good one. Okay, uh, my number five, I'm actually, um, this is kind of like... I'm, I'm forecasting that I'm really going to like this because there's a new series coming out on Disney Plus. But I really like this actor, and I liked his portrayal of this character in some of the other Star Wars movies, not the three classics that you talked about. I'm going to go with Obi Wan Kenobi, but mm-hmm. specifically Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan. Okay, I actually thought he didn't make my honorable mention list, but I I, I do like Obi Wan Kenobi. When he dies, spoiler alert, that is uh, yeah, in one of the alert. early movies. Yeah. I don't think you could spoil Star Wars. Yeah, that's that's a good point. By now, it's too late. Like, if you've missed it, sorry, it's on you. Number four, I'm going to a collection of characters oh. in also in Return of the Jedi. Yes. The Ewoks. Oh, Brian, they're on my list, Nice. Too. The Did Ewoks. Did you ever watch Ewoks in the Battle for Endor no. when you were growing up? No, oh, man. but I saw Return of the Jedi oh, and loved the Ewoks. <laughs> so I loved Ewoks in the Battle for Endor as a kid, and I made my kids watch it, and it's not a great movie. I'll be honest. <laughs> it doesn't hold up. No, it does not, but I love the Ewoks. Okay, my number four is uh, R2-D2. And this was hard for me because I wanted to just put all the droids. You could throw mm-hmm. a little C-3PO mm-hmm. C-3PO mm-hmm. and BB-8 in there, but I just, I, I got affection 
for R2-D2. So okay. he is my number four. It is my number four. Okay, what about number R2-D2, just so I give you a hint, is going to show up on my honorable mention list. Okay, all right. Who's your number three? Uh, one of the main characters. Yes. I think my favorite of the main characters is Han Solo. Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, Harrison Ford, Han Solo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, love Han Solo. I'm just going to say my number three is also Han Solo. Just okay. to, just like an all-around cool dude. What do you cool love about Han dude. Solo? He's just cool, right? He's just like rugged and he's like arrogant. And I do like that he finally falls for Leia and they have that romance. And Can we discuss and he's, that, And Leia? also he's Indiana Jones as Han Solo. You know, there's a whole there's a whole Harrison Ford thing so there. So two things. One, mark it down. We should do a top five Harrison Ford movie list. Good call. Uh, two, are we at all in this point going to discuss at all... The fact that Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker kissed and they were brother and sister. Yeah, in the I was hoping to avoid that whole conversation. I don't feel like they ever really rectified that. Like It just shouldn't have happened. Like, I understand Luke having a crush on her, not knowing who she was, but like, it shouldn't have gone that far. That was too far, George Lucas. Too far. I mean, albeit for me to, to tell George Lucas how to make his movies. I'll but tell him. I'll tell him. Number two. Maybe the ultimate villain in all of cinematic uh, history, Darth Vader. You're putting Darth Vader on your list. I do like Darth Vader because also you get the end where his helmet is off, Luke. You know, you're you're your mom, your father, all of this. And it's just like the way he could like just... He'd be, like, yeah. choking people from yeah. across the room. No, Darth Vader, I mean, now that you're saying it, like, that is one solid, dependable, iconic villain. Everybody in the world knows Darth Vader. And I love when he turns on the, the Emperor. It's great, too. Yeah. And then at the end of Return of the Jedi, spoiler alert, when they uh, when they burn his suit. Like, yeah. It's cool. I like Darth Vader. I'm, I'm a Darth okay. Vader fan. Okay, you're on the dark side. All right. Um, my number two is a little bit brighter than Darth Vader. That is the Ewoks. That's where they land there for you me. Go. Number two. I love I love them Ewoks. I think, and I'll give you my honorable mention, I think there's a chance we both have the same number one. There's no way. Oh, okay. I already know there's no way. Great. Uh, let me give you my three honorable mentions. Okay. Uh, R2-D2, as I told you. Nice. Excellent. Uh, the whole collection of the Stormtroopers. Oh, okay. I enjoy oh, the Stormtroopers. You, really you got our Dark Side fan over I there. I do. I enjoy the Stormtroopers. Yeah. And I felt like I had to put in Luke Skywalker. <laughs> so I put him in the honorable mention. Yeah. I, 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 I could have done without Luke Skywalker or Princess Leia on my list. So it's funny you say that about Luke Skywalker because I did not put him on my list yeah. either. And is this bad to say, like... He's really not one of the favorite characters. He gets a little whiny. He could have been a great character, but I think he came back strong in The Mandalorian, which I, I just, spo- I majorly, that was a major spoiler alert. We might need to okay. edit that out. But um, anyway, okay, so my honorable mentions are, I, have, I do have Princess Leia on there, but I felt like I needed to have her on there. I had Princess Amidala on there because I actually really like her storyline. Okay. And I got Mando, the Mandalorian, on there as well. Okay. All right, uh, Ryan, with that, are we ready for number one Star Wars character? Yep, my number one Star Wars character, and I think a lot of people would go this route. It's Yoda. Yeah, Yoda's awesome. I really do enjoy Yoda. Yeah. He gives, he speaks funny. I have funny a, he speaks. Yes, I, that makes me think of uh, Michael Scott's fiance on the the office. <laughs> oh, I love I love her. Uh, but I do feel like uh, for for reasons that you know are only known to me that I you know I I like short characters for for obvious reasons. I actually had a great aunt who she shrunk over the years, and we used to call her Yoda Stop. because she kind of took on the. Stop. She wasn't green, but she kind of took that look on. <laughs> Uh, I think we all have that. I love Yoda. You love Yoda. Okay, so I am gonna I'm gonna go, Brian, with um 
a descendant of Yoda, and that is at number one, Baby Yoda, also known as Grogu, the greatest Star Wars character of all time ever, unbeatable in cuteness and power and delight. That is Baby Yoda. I thought that was coming. Once I thought about it and you were like, oh, not... I was like, I think she's going Baby Yoda. Yeah, it's got to be Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda was such a big deal. Obviously, it's got to be Baby Yoda. All right, so that is our top five Star Wars list. We know, look, there are a lot of Star Wars fans out there. We probably have just either offended you Mm -hmm. or we have missed our beloved character. Let us know. We want to hear from you. Or you thought our list was awesome. Yeah, or that's true. Or you loved our list and you agreed with everything we said. You can let us know at Common Good Talk on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. It is the end of the show. It's the end of the week. And one of our favorite things to do at the end of every week is just bring you like the wildest, wackiest stories that we can find from the internet. And our executive producer, Keith Conrad, delivers these to us in real time. So when we are sharing them with you, this is the first time we are actually seeing them. Yes, when so we our gasp, reactions you know are, it's a gasp. Yes, these are like real-time reactions. So uh, the first one I think is a gasping one, Brian. I'm going to share it. Are you ready okay. for it? I'm ready to gasp. Ooh. I haven't even read it. Okay, this is out of Massachusetts. A DoorDash driver brings pizza, saves customer's life. When Massachusetts DoorDash driver Sophia Furtado walked up to a Buzzards Bay house to deliver a pizza on February 11th, she found the woman who placed the order unresponsive on the ground, bleeding from the head. Karen Sullivan had been waiting outside to meet the driver when her arm, which had previously been injured, and her bad knee both gave out as she turned. She hit her head, and by the time Furtado arrived, the emergency medical technician training she'd once taken told her that based on the congealed blood, Sullivan had probably been lying there for 15 or 20 minutes. Sullivan's eye. This is a little gruesome. I'm so sorry in advance, but Sullivan's eyes were rolling back in her head. She wasn't responding, Furtado says. She opened the door and cried out to wake Sullivan's husband, who'd been asleep in the house. (laughs) What's going on with that? And then she called 911. And then they say, at that moment, Sophia became part of our team to aid Karen, says a Fairhaven Police Department officer who responded to the scene. I asked her if it was possible for her to keep stabilizing Karen's neck to keep her spine safe. Her answer was, I'm not going anywhere. Sullivan suffered a traumatic brain injury and spent three weeks in the hospital following the incident, undergoing emergency surgery for two severe brain bleeds. And both she and her doctor said she would likely not have made it if it were not for Furtado. She's my guardian angel, Sullivan says. In addition to various awards Furtado has received, including $1,000 from DoorDash, a local emergency training school is discounting its course for her so she could decide to continue her EMT studies, which she hopes to do one day, and she wouldn't have to pay out of pocket. There you go. Yeah, that took a a good turn. Oh, hell not. Isn't that nice? North Carolina, a couple is arrested after duck leads police to missing body. Police near Asheville, North Carolina, give credit to a runaway pet duck for helping them solve a two-year-old investigation into an elderly woman's death. (laughs) According to NBC News, the duck's owners chased it under a mobile home where they discovered a container with decayed human Ah! remains. Ah! After an autopsy, authorities determined it was the body of Nellie Sullivan. Hold on, wasn't it Sullivan in the last story? Uh Uh-oh, it was Uh Sullivan in the last story. We've got family here. 
Uh Uh-oh. Who, quote, disappeared sometime in 2020, said the sheriff. Police immediately charged Sullivan's granddaughter, age 46, and her partner, age 50, with first-degree murder. Mm. Apprehending the couple was no problem since they were already in jail on a variety of charges, including drug trafficking, animal cruelty, and as early as 2021, concealing a death, according to a post by the sheriff. The police say the couple lived with the grandmother at a separate location and then hid her body. So, a sad story, but way to go, Duck. And way to go! Apparently, try not to have the last name Sullivan in our stories I mean, today. clearly, you got some bad luck if you're a Sullivan, but way to go, Duck, finding this body. Yeah, I'm gonna need you to go back in there and use some form of the word die. Dead, dying, mm. deadsies, deadwood, mm. your choice. Alright, this is out of Ukraine. Emergency workers in Ukraine rescue cat from bombed-out high-rise. Emergency workers in Ukraine rescued a cat from a bombed-out high-rise building in uh, Borodyanka. Video released by Ukraine's emergency service shows. Located east of Kiev, Borodyanka has been devastated by intense shelling and airstrikes by Russian forces. The video shows rescue workers use an aerial ladder truck to reach the cat. A worker tucks the feline into his jacket for the ride down to the ground where the disheveled animal is placed in a crate and given a bowl of water. Twitter user Lorenzo the Cat posted videos, photos, and updates on the rescue effort on Twitter, crediting the rescue to Eugene Kibitz and saying, Amid the horror of war, we have to celebrate the good in humanity. Another Ukrainian cat gained internet fame last year when Britney Spears posted content from the cat's social media. With more than a million followers on Instagram and TikTok, that cat named Stepin relieved followers in March when its owner posted an update detailing how they escaped Ukraine with Stepin after their house was damaged in Russian shelling. You know, you don't think about the animals much like in the middle of this devastation in Ukraine. And so I'm sure that was a that was a story of hope that needed to be shared in the middle of everything that's going on. Yeah, it is. But it's also a cat. It's still a cat. I know. I know. Not to mention. I it know. tells you everything that's wrong with social media that these yeah. cats have like a million, million followers. Follow- this has been my problem. We talked about this a couple days ago. Like, why, why are, are these animals cats? getting millions of followers and like just buy my book instead? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to Australia. Okay. Australian woman wins $100,000 after husband saves lottery ticket what? from the trash. Come on. Uh, an unidentified woman from Carum Downs, Australia, has won 100 grand from a scratch-off lottery ticket that she originally threw away. The woman had purchased a $5 golden edition ticket that she put into the garbage after thinking that she had lost. When I first scratched the ticket, I thought it was no good and I was going to put it in the bin. My husband said to me, let's have a look again. He did have a look and he said to me, you've won, the <laughs> no woman way. told the lottery officials. I'm glad I didn't throw away this ticket. I guess I'll have to share this prize with my <laughs> husband now. The woman said she plays $5 scratch-off tickets every week but has never won anything. She noted that the winnings will help out their children and that she might even buy a better car. Recently, in a similar story, an unidentified Australian couple accidentally thought their their $1.79 million lottery win was only worth 179000 So no make sure way. to check those lottery tickets closely. Seriously. Man, all these lottery stories are like, I've never I've never done the lottery, but these people are winning, Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Girlfriend's going to get paid. All right. Okay. This is out of the Netherlands. Oh, no. Oh, no. You ready for this one? Uh, I think so. A four-year-old Dutch boy takes mom's car out for a joyride in his pajamas. 
A pajama-clad four-year-old Dutch boy has been likened to a Formula One star after taking his mom's car for a joyride before crashing into two parked vehicles. Yes, obviously he crashed. He's four. The pint-sized thrill-seeker woke up Saturday and grabbed his mother's car keys to go for a drive after his dad went to work, police said on Instagram. They titled the post, New Max Verstappen Discovered in Overvect. I'm guessing this is a... Yeah, oh, here we go. <laughs> Referring to the 2021 Belgian-Dutch Formula One world champ. But this mini-boy racer's adventure ended with a fizzle, police added. Concerned passersby called the authorities after spotting the boy wandering through the streets alone in the cold. Oh, this is really sad. A car was soon reported abandoned nearby after it struck two parked vehicles. Cops determined that the car was registered to the boy's mother. She explained that her son was, quote, highly enterprising, end quote, police said. (laughs) She spoke to the child on the phone and we saw him imitate a collision and make a steering movement with his hands. This made us suspect he might have been driving. Officers took the boy and his mom to the abandoned car. The dad joined them at the scene later. At the car, we asked the child if he could show us how it worked. The police said on Instagram, he opened the car, put the key in the ignition, started the car, moved his left foot to the clutch, and hit the accelerator, they added. The tyke was given some hot chocolate and a teddy bear at the police station before being reunited with his mom. And his name was Sullivan. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's probably one of the wildest stories I've ever heard. The fact that the kid knew how to put the key in the ignition and use the clutch. Yeah, that's nuts. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I can barely drive sticks. So the fact that this four-year-old did it and crashed is not that surprising. But four-year-olds, do not drive your parents' cars. That's just not a good idea. Let them go, Lou. Someone going that fast has no time for a ticket. All right. Well, we hope those stories that made you gasp put a smile on your face. And thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. No, we won't because it's Friday. We'll be back again on Monday, Brian. We have a weekend ahead of us. The weekend we'll is before us now. Oh, I, can't, I mean, I'm not even aware that it's Friday. Look, we'll be back again <laughs> Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.